0: Hello and good morning. My name is Matt and I am the youth pastor here at Seabreeze. So this morning we are continuing on in our box office uh, wisdom series and the the basis of this series is to take a look at some of the movies that are coming out this summer, look at their themes and their ideas, and then compare them uh, to what the Bible has to say about those topics Uh, The goal is not to give reviews or to recommend movies, uh, but I have gotten some questions from people about some good movies or how to look into that, um, watch movies with their family or with their kids. Uh, A great place to start uh, that I would recommend uh, from a Christian perspective is PluggedIn.com. It's a focus on the family website. Um, I think that's an excellent place uh, to start if you guys are looking for some reviews or some recommendations uh, from a Christian perspective. But this morning, as you can tell from the trailer, as well as your programs, we're looking at the movie Warcraft. Now, Warcraft's journey to the big screens has been 22 years in the making. Uh, The first game came out called Warcraft's Orcs and Humans in 1994. Uh, Since then, the World of Warcraft games have set Guinness Book of World Records for the most popular MMORPG, uh, which is massively multiplayer online role-playing game. Um, It has... (laughs) It has over a hundred million accounts created and millions of monthly subscribers that continue uh, to play this game. And with all that success they have finally reached the point where they made the movie Warcraft uh, this summer. Now the main idea going on in this movie is the orcs are leaving their dying world uh, for, for safety for the future. And they follow a shaman out who uses dark magic that opens up a portal to the human world. And they bring their army over uh, to this world to conquer it. On the other side, you have the, the humans who are led by a king, a warrior, and a wizard. And as these two races get ready to collide in battle, there are people on both sides that are trying to figure out if this is the only way, if there's another option that they can have. What side are they fighting for? Now, this morning, every one of us is in battle, And I know if you look around this room, it doesn't feel like we're at war or anything like that. But we are in battle. We are involved in the fight between God and Satan. And this is not a fight that we can remain neutral in. We can't just pretend that we're not in it and sit off on the sideline. We are on one side or another. And this battle started when Satan first tempted Adam and Eve in the garden and got them to let sin into this world. It's been going on for longer than any of us have been alive and we will continue to be involved in it until we die or until Jesus returns. Because this battle and the separation caused by our sin, we now have to choose sides. We now have to figure out what side we are on you should not go into battle if you don't know what side you're on. You shouldn't be running out there. You, know, you don't know who you're fighting against. You don't know who you're fighting for. It would be very foolish to head into battle without understanding the side that you are on. And this is true if uh, you watch the movie. This is true in real life. It's true in the battles between countries, between people, as well as in the spiritual battles. We must choose a side in the ongoing fight uh, between God and Satan. One of the uh, big decisions in the movie focuses on that of Durotan. Um, And Duritan is the chieftain of one of the orc clans. We have an image of him uh, behind me. In the movie, he recognizes that the magic that the shaman is using is what damaged their world in the first place. And now as they've gone into the human world, he recognizes that it is also damaging that world as well. So he's forced with the decision. Does he continue to follow the orcs? Does he continue to do what he has always done, or does he figure out how to partner with the humans, how to save his people, his clan? And in order for him to do that, he must choose a side, just like we have to do as well. Joshua twenty four fifteen says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves the day, this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living, But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. We all must make this decision to choose to follow the Lord or the gods of this world, to choose to follow Satan. Now, to truly make this decision a lasting one, we must understand what it takes to to, to make the decision. And our senior pastor, Bevan, last week, he mentioned that we have to get enough information, enough research about the Bible to understand that it is true and it is real in our lives. We need to figure out what is real and then accept it. We must accept what is real. Now, a lot of the time, I'll admit, you go through this and you feel like you are kind of neutral, that, that you've, you, don't really are, you aren't really on a side, but we've all sinned, and likely we all sin every day, and that lines us up with Satan. It lines us up with with this world, and God makes it very clear by doing nothing, we are going to be in opposition to Him. We are defaulting against Him by trying to remain in a neutral position. So you can't pick God's side unless you understand what it takes and how to be a part of that side. Um, I grew up in a Christian home. I started following uh, Christ at a young age. I got baptized with all of my friends. I went to church on Sunday mornings and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and more. I went to camps. I went on mission trips. I did all of these things, but what I did not do was take ownership of my faith. What I did not do was figure out how to make it real. I didn't figure out the answers to the questions uh, that I had and why it actually makes the most sense to follow God's design and God's plan in our life. So what ended up happening was when something more fun came up or something that I thought would benefit me more, I chose that over what God's design was, what God's plan was. And looking back, I see that a lot of my friends did this same thing. They had the same experience. They had the knowledge, but they weren't living it out. They weren't taking action and figuring it out how to apply it. The idea of following God was, was all great in theory. We love the ideas, you know, but we just didn't base our life's decisions on it. It was kind of like we had set up two separate levels when, in actuality, there's only one. We kind of put, you know, the spiritual stuff, the love your enemies, you know, the love, the forgiving people was all nice in theory, but it was kind of up here, and in reality, all the decisions you make in life are more here. It's a different set of rules that you have to live by. We didn't take time to consider that, you know, the God who created everything, that designed it with a purpose, that showed us and has given us a way to live our life, given us a way to to be involved in relationships and follow him in this world, created it all to be together. It's not this. It's a fully connected life, the spiritual as well as the real world. Now, to live that way takes a practical and reasoned faith in God, much like uh, you would put in money or in gravity. Um, It's very tangible. It's very real uh, to you. But we get caught up in this abstract idea of faith, that faith is kind of like a leap into this spiritual world where you have to get this intense feeling of faith, and that's kind of what you're going for. And if I can get that feeling of faith, then I can move forward, and if I can get enough of it, maybe I could follow, and if I have all of it that I need, then maybe I'll be able to lead, but I have to get that feeling. There's a word, amuna, which is one of the Hebrew words for faith, because many of us, when we start following God, or we're thinking about God, again, we're caught on that idea of that feeling of faith, But this word has a lot more to do with doing, with taking action, than it has to do with the feeling. You see, you grow your faith, you get closer to God by taking action and obeying his commands, by making what he wants us to do the foundation for our lives. That is how faith grows. We choose a side and we obey. If we love God, we obey his commands. That is where my friends and I drifted away. James 2.17 says, In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And I want you to think of it kind of like a staircase. You might intellectually know that there's a second and a third and a fourth floor in, in whatever building you're in, but unless you go up those stairs, you're never actually going to experience and know what is on those levels. You grow your faith, By obedience, by by seeing and studying and understanding what God has to say. See, what we do is more important than what we know. Now, I want to be clear. We still have to gain knowledge. We still have to study. We still have to learn what is in the Bible, but it requires us to apply it. It requires an application in that process. We can't just believe that the stairs are there. We have to actually climb them to the next level. So in order for us to figure out what is real, we have to decide to act. God says we're supposed to love our enemies, that we should love others as ourselves, and Jesus gives a great example of being a servant leader. So the question is, are we looking at those and seeing them all as a great concept, or are we actually putting them into practice in our own life? We can't just hear what God says. We can't just read the Bible. We must take action on it. We must take the whole Bible and use it as a foundation for our life, not just the parts that we like or the parts that we want to believe or choose, because basing life off partial information or, or partial obedience doesn't work. So we have to choose a side. It's a very real decision that must be made. Like I said, you can't go neutral. It's one side or the other. But once you've chosen that side, if you've chosen to follow God, you must begin to prepare for battle. You must prepare for the battle that is going on all around us. Before a soldier goes to war, they are trained. They must be mentally and physically ready uh, for battle. They receive uh, specialized training depending on the mission that they're going on. They might even receive immunization shots and whatnot to protect them um, from the environment they're going to. Uh, They receive a mission description and briefing and special orders right before they go into battle as well. And the same thing is true for a Christian soldier. A Christian must be prepared for what he's going to encounter on the battlefield. We must be mentally, physically, and spiritually ready for what we're going to encounter. So I want to briefly go through uh, three ways that we prepare for battle. The very first one is we have to guard our heart. Proverbs uh, 4.23 says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. The heart is the decision-making center of our life. It's where our desires, our values, our perspectives are kept. It's where it dictates what our behaviors and what our actions will end up being. And that is why it is so important for us to guard it and keep it safe. You see, just like a physical heart can have diseases and have disorders, our spiritual heart as well can have evil desires that impair our growth, that impair our, our relationship with God, and can also impair the, the relationships that we have with other people. In a, in a physical life, heart murmurs occur when there's uh, abnormal flood pat- or flow patterns because of faulty heart valves. In a spiritual life, our spiritual heart murmurs occur when we engage in complaining and gossip and lying and cheating and grumbling and anything really, any activity that goes against God's plan, God's purpose, and God's blessing. That is what causes a spiritual heart murmur. It's something that is leading us away from God, leading us away from the way he's designed us to live. Again, in the movie, you look at Chieftain Duratin, who is one of the Orc clan's leaders, recognizes this dark magic. He sees what it is doing, that it's having an impact. He sees that it is causing weakness in his family, in in the army that is there. So he sets out to do everything he can to get away from it, to fight against it, to protect his family and his clan from the impacts. That is the same attitude that we need to have when it comes to things in our life that are leading us away from God, that are pushing us or hindering us in our way to grow closer to him. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. The devil must always be looked at like an enemy, not as someone you can get close to. We must always resist the devil. We must watch out and guard against him. And God has provided us with ways to do this, with ways to protect ourselves from the devil. He's given us prayer, he's given us the Bible, he's given us our relationship with him. And if we act out in obedience and follow him, these all, all of these things protect us from Satan. You see, Satan is proud and arrogant and he would love to puff us up so that we think we know what we're doing and then he can really have his way with us. So he can guide us how he desires. But those who are humble, those who recognize that their strength is not actually from them, that it's from God, those who recognize they are broken, they are hurting, they are sinful, that they're covered by God's grace, that the blood of Christ has already paid for our sins, those people Satan really doesn't actually know what to do with because he can't stand in front of God's power and overcome them. So what he does is he flees. So we need to, to be aware, though, that he is not going to leave for good. He wants to trip us up. He wants us to stumble. So he'll come back when we feel like everything is going well. He'll come back uh, when we let our guard down. So we must be aware, and we must stay prepared uh, for battle. And we stay prepared through prepared through ongoing uh, training. Now, just like in the military, a soldier is continually trained. Will continually learn new skills before a mission. And we as Christians must be prepared and continually learn our skills spiritually, mentally, and and physically for the trials that we will face. Because trust me, we are all going to face trials at some point um, in our life. The training that we get is done through ongoing practice of applying what God has guided us to do in the Bible and then applying it and taking action um, within our life. We get knowledge and then we start to use it. One of the big hangups that I've recognized in my life is that I view training or being able to learn this stuff as requiring some kind of big event, some kind of conference, some kind of big training session. That is how I learn, or that is how I move forward. When in actuality, I move forward and I am trained every day as I apply what I already know to my daily life, and then God corrects it. And then as I learn more, I continue to apply that to my life as well. Hebrews 5.14 says, But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. We recognize good from evil, and we are continually trained by constantly using the word of God in our life. Ongoing training happens as we take action with what we currently know and apply it daily. We spend time learning and understanding God's word, We understand the Bible, and with that knowledge, we take action steps. We practice forgiveness. We practice putting others first. We practice self-control and clearing up relationships and so much more. And that is how we train. We observe the outcome of what happens. Does God correct us? Do we need to adjust it? And we continue to move forward in our life. Now, some of you might know that my my wife, Laura, and I are expecting our first child the beginning of August, and, and because of this, Um, We've been trying to prepare for how we raise our son. How how do we do this whole parenting uh, thing? How do you you get your son to to learn about God? How do we raise him and teach him uh, to follow who God is? What is the best way uh, for him to apply it to his life and and take action? And and then how do we apply correction uh, to his life? So we've been trying to figure out um, all of these things. And one of the books uh, that I recently read is called Parenting. Is there an app for that? And in one of the chapters, the author, uh, Deborah Bullock, makes the statement that, that training is not some big event. It is something that happens daily in the little things. It is, it is what parents say, and it is what parents do regularly that matters and trains a child. See, ch- children don't learn from one big talk from parents or from one big experience. They learn from the daily interactions that they have with their parents. And we as Christian parents are examples of that to them in our relationship with God. You see, we learn from God daily, and we take action on it. My son will learn from me because of my daily interactions with him, and I will learn from God because of my daily interactions with God, and then applying what he taught me through my life and the correction that he provides me. So, when we prepare for God, we know that, or when we are preparing for battle, we know that God is on our side. We know that He is there to train us. We know He is there to forgive us and continue to move us forward. So, for us to be effective in battle, we must also know the equipment that we have. So, it's important for us to know our equipment. God wants us to be in battle, but he also wants us uh, to be protected when we're out there against the enemy's attacks. And he's given us everything that we need uh, for this to happen. Ephesians 6, 13 through 17 says this, Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, Just like a soldier in the the military trains regularly until he understands exactly how to use all of his equipment, we as Christian soldiers must do the same. We must know how to use the tools that God has provided us. Knowing that I have a sword, knowing that I have a breastplate, knowing that I have a helmet, but I don't know how to use the sword or put on the breastplate or the helmet doesn't do me any good. I have to know how to use uh, this equipment. So we have the belt of truth, and the reason we have that is Satan is the father of lies. His goal is to confuse us, and we know truth by knowing and understanding the Bible. We have the breastplate of righteousness. Satan would love to accuse us to make us feel guilty and disappointed, point out our mistakes. So we must remember that we stand in righteousness if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Lord and our Savior. We have shoes of the gospel of peace because Satan wants to create division. So we must act quickly in order to reconcile and be at peace with those around us. The shield of faith. The enemy wants to discourage us to create a devastating uh, circumstances around us so that we would stop focusing or trusting on God. So we must continue to trust in God even when it moves past what, what we would normally think to do, what our natural responses are. The helmet of salvation. Satan wants us to give up. He attacks us with things like, a good Christian wouldn't struggle with this. Or, I don't really feel close to God. Maybe I am not saved. So we need to remember that we did nothing to earn our salvation. That in fact, Jesus fully provided it. And he will continue to to clean up our lives as we move forward. And then the sword of the spirit. Satan wants us to experience silence, silence in our relationship and our connection with God. And if you're in battle, if you're going to war, you do not want silence with the commander-in-chief who knows the plan and the strategy that is going forward. So we must stay connected to God through prayer and applying the Bible in our lives. Now, it's important to understand and know all of these weapons and the armor of God. And I know I did kind of a uh, top-level picture of it today today. Uh, Our associate pastor Elliot did an awesome talk on this in March of last year, so I would encourage you guys uh, to all listen to that when you get the chance. Um, It is on our podcast, um, so you can get that through the iTunes store. The title was I Am a Warrior, and uh, the message series was Who Do You Think You Are?, Um, If you don't do podcasts, we've also put it up on uh, Seabreeze's website, so just go to seabreezechurch.com. You can look at Listen Online, um, and the message that I have done today will be there, and there will also be a link uh, for Elliot's message as well. So I would encourage you guys uh, to listen to that, to really understand um, what this equipment is that, that God has provided for us. Because we cannot be correctly prepared for battle without guarding our heart. Without being involved in ongoing training, without knowing how to use the equipment that God has provided us. When we do this, when we've prepared correctly, we are, it allows us to engage in battle. So that's the next step. We must be ready to engage in battle. He like said, we're, we're at battle and we're in it whether we want to admit it or not. It's going on around us at all times. The choices that we make is whether or not we are going to actively engage in that battle or not, or if we're just going to stand around pretending like nothing is going on. You see, we all experience pain and suffering, and, and pain and suffering is a reminder that there is more than just this temporary life. God wants us to use it to get our focus on to the eternal, not on just the here and now, because we are in a battle with eternity at stake. In the movie, the orcs, when they first come to to the human world, the humans don't know they're there. They don't understand what's happening. They've never seen them before. They just know that there are villages disappearing, that there is pain and suffering and death going around their kingdom. Now, if at that point they had chosen, oh, I don't really know what's going on, so I'm just gonna leave it and pretend like nothing is happening, they would have been destroyed. They would have been slaughtered with no hope. So they chose to wisely figure out what was going on to engage in battle, to get that knowledge, and then fight against the opposition. And for this to happen, so the soldiers needed to be willing to give of themselves for the cause. Now in that situation, the cause was protection and survival for the kingdom. For Christ's followers, we are battling and fighting for God's kingdom, so that others can choose God's side and live for eternity with him. And for that to happen, we must give of ourselves wholeheartedly for this cause. Luke 9.23 says, And he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. To be engaged in battle requires daily discipline, and it requires a great amount of self-sacrifice on our part. We need to be willing to sacrifice for the mission of God. We need to be willing to make sacrifices for eternity. And we make sacrifices so that we can be used by God for people to know to Christ, to come to know Jesus. Now, as followers, we must be willing to give up our wants and our goals for the people that we love, for the people that are leading us, for the people that are standing alongside us, but we also mean to be willing to give up and sacrifice for the people that we are leading, for the people that we might not like very much, for the people that don't know Christ. And most importantly, we need to be willing to sacrifice and give of our plans for God's direction and where he wants to take our lives. Now, a lot of times we, we get this idea to, to be a hero, to have that one shining moment, this massive gesture that kind of points us and where we're going, but we don't focus on the little things. It's kind of like this idea that we're an attitude of, I will die for Christ, but I won't listen to or honor my boss. I won't obey my parents. I won't stop gossiping or lying or cheating. I won't uh, give up this relationship that goes against what God has said in the Bible. I will die for him, but I'm not going to give up these daily little decisions for him. God doesn't call every one of us to die for him, but he does call every one of us to deny themselves and live daily for him. There's a story of a mission organization uh, that reached out to David Livingston. He was a missionary in Africa in the 1800s, and they sent him a request. They said, David, do you have a good road to get to where you are? If so, we have men that we want to send you to join. And David's response was, if you have men that will come and join when I have a good road, I don't want them. Because he understood they might be willing to make that big gesture. They might be willing to say they're going to do that big sacrifice, but they're probably not prepared for the daily sacrifices and commitments that they would need to make. And I did the same thing as well. When I was 14, I made the big commitment that I was going to give my life to full-time ministry. I was pumped up, and I was excited about that, and guess what? I did absolutely nothing uh, to to lead my life towards full-time ministry. It took a lot of work daily and, and make sacrifices in order to do that, so I chose to do what I wanted to do. I chose to live my life my way instead of God's way, and it took well over a decade for me to realize, oh, if that commitment is going to happen there's a lot of little daily decisions that I have to make, that I have to be willing to give up in order for that to come to pass. Now there's another great example of this in the Bible. It's, it's of Peter in John uh, chapter 13. It's verses 37 through 38, and it says, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. You see, Peter had the heroic gesture. He knew what he was trying to do or wanted to accomplish, but he didn't yet have the daily discipline to follow through with it, to say no to himself in the little things. But he wanted to make the big gesture, the big big area, because there's there's a, lot, there's a big difference between the two, a grand gesture and, and the daily steps. At that point, Jesus was more concerned with a different form of laying down of life. Now, Peter eventually learned how to sacrifice daily and how to follow God, and he went on to lead many people to Christ. But at that point, he was not ready. We are not made to be a bright and shining star for a moment. We are made to be a constant light as we go about our life every day. And sometimes, you guys, ultimate sacrifices have to be made, but those happen on top of the daily little steps of following God. For each one of us to be engaged in the battle, we must be willing to make those daily sacrifices. It might be, you know, waking up 30 minutes earlier, uh, giving up some sleep so you can spend time with God. It could be serving on a weekend here or there, it could be changing your career, uh, going to a different school, the person that you're dating, giving more financially, it could be uh, chasing a different dream or a goal. I honestly, I don't know what sacrifices each of us will have to make, but I do know that if we want to be engaged in battle and be it successfully, we have to be willing to give up our desires every day. We have to be willing to approach God with our time and our plans with an open hand and allow him to move and direct us in the way that pleases him. And that is how we can be involved in his rescue mission here on earth. One of the characters in the movie has this great line, and I edit it slightly to prevent any kind of spoilers. They say, There is no greater blessing a city can have than a leader who would sacrifice his life for the people. And that character got that line right. The Bible states in Romans five eighteen, or sorry, five eight, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because of Jesus' love, he was willing to die for his enemies. He was willing to die for the people that were in opposition for him. Christ has already paid the price for our sin, and now we need to decide whether or not we are going to choose his side, and we are going to accept that gift wholeheartedly and follow him. Now is the time we pick a side. Now is the time we prepare for battle. Now is the time that we must guard our heart and continue to train with the equipment that God has given us. We need to be continually training, continually focusing on God, so that when we're called... We can make those small sacrifices. We can make the big ones because that is what a Christian soldier does. That is what a Christ follower does. This morning, there are a few next steps, and they're really taken from the the main points of uh, this message. The first one is is you must pick a side. If this morning you haven't decided to follow Jesus and, and you're ready to make that commitment, I would encourage you to do so. If not, and, and you're not ready, I would at least encourage you to, to make a commitment to look, to study, to figure out what you, want, what you need to know, and ask those questions. The other thing is we need to get ready for battle. That might be preparation, that might be guarding your heart, it might be learning more about the, the equipment that God has given us, it could be listening uh, to Elliot's message. So whatever that next step looks like for you as far as getting ready uh, for battle. And the last thing is we have to figure out what we haven't surrendered, what we haven't given up. In order for us to be engaged in this battle, we have to have God first. Is there a relationship? Is there a desire, a goal, family, friends that you are holding on more tightly than God? And we have to be willing to surrender our life fully to him and let him take control. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, this morning we come... Uh, before you to freely worship to you, uh, we live in a place where that allows that that freedom, God. And I ask that even though we live um, in a country that seems to be so full of full of peace, God, that you would uh, allow us to all remember and, and to be reminded that there is a battle going on all around us, and that battle um, has eternal lives at stake, God. I pray for everyone in, in this room that you will. Uh, show us uh, the next step that we need to take in order to be involved in that, whether that's choosing a side, whether it's an area that we need to use to prepare or we need to surrender so that we can be engaged in that battle. Um, I pray for courage and and for boldness for each of us in this room as we leave here uh, this morning, um, you, that you just give us a, a desire to invite to to have relationships with the people that are that are around us, God, so that they can know who you are, that they can... I develop relationships with you and and come to know you, Father. I pray this in your holy and your precious name. Amen.